0: Give him ball and he out of grass. Welcome to the big kickoff football show with myself, Roy Shanahan, David Bogle, and Neil Dobbs. Now, this week. The transfer window ended, but there's still transfer news always going on. Those desperate just to to cling on to something. And David Moyes had been talking about Declan Rice, saying 100 million was uh, a snip for Declan Rice. Neil, what's your thoughts on on Declan and uh, the snip that Declan Rice is?
1: Uh, Yeah, I, I guess it always starts with the English players, Roy. You know, the English young talent in particular that are coming up to the ranks be it like Foden, Sterling, uh, Saka, Rice and these guys you know we always kind of speculate how much they're actually worth versus how much the kind of media hype and the English themselves kind of envelop the whole situation and add a couple of a, a couple of quid onto it but if we're looking at transfer market there today you've got Joshua Kimmich who's in a CDM role they reckon is worth 90 million, and then Declan Rice is at 80 million. I am um, in beside him now. Obviously, these are I'm looking at mining dollars due to the region that I'm in. You're looking a little lower, but uh, the 100 million doesn't surprise me with a guy like Declan Rice because if you look at what happened with Sancho, you know, they're probably looking there and thinking, you know, if we big it up and you know, you set such a massive target, when one of the big few come in from, and let's be honest it's probably only a matter of time before someone comes in and takes him away from West Ham. Um, You know, you're getting your value out of the kids. So um, what are they saying there? It's a 67 million. uh, That actually seems like a price tag that he could move from, maybe 60 to 70. Um, It's just a question of whether he's worth it when you look at what's there beside him. Like I look at Fabinho, who definitely plays his role for Liverpool. um, And to say that Fabinho would be 54 million and Declan Rice would be 100 million, You know, it just seems like chalk and cheese to me. There's too big of a gap. Um, And the other side of it is, if you look at the Jack Grealish scenario, which we kind of hinted about last week, that 100 million seems to be weighing around his neck. So if you're Declan Rice, you move for 100 million and you go to Man United, maybe a little bit like Sancho, it becomes a massive weight and it ends up weighing you down and it becomes an issue with your performances. And so all that kind of ties in on the Declan Rice package for me. but I still think he's very, very young in terms of the Premier League and what he can bring forward and maybe how far he can go to kind of be setting a hundred million mark.
0: Yeah, Dave, when you look at Declan Rice, we've talked about him before, especially at the Euros, you weren't sure what value he was adding. Have you changed your mind on him?
2: Yeah. Um. Yeah, without a doubt, I have kind of changed to an extent because he definitely seems to have stepped up as a leader, a more of a leader this year with West Ham and really got comfortable in, in in within the club. But it's the position alone, even if he is one of the best around and what he does, 100 million is a hell of a lot. It, I can't help but feel the the Jack Grealish fee has got a big thing to do with it and it's a benchmark, really. Um, if he was to go foreign, um, West Ham maybe might not want as much. So maybe it's just a to, to kind of fend... The, the 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 local sides here in England to, to kind of fend away because obviously they don't want them to go to a rival if they're trying to get into the top four and then stick around. But to be honest, like he, like he's a hell of a lot more active this year in getting forward as well as doing his defensive trade. But it definitely is a bit more of a rounded performance, I think, in midfield this year. But it's not just being in a nice place and looking pretty and throwing his arms around the place, he definitely seems to want to roll up the sleeves and be noticed and take charge, which is all you want to see, really, in midfield because they dictate the game. If, they, if you win your midfield battle, no matter what team you're in, that's where, generally, teams will tend to win then, if that's the case. But for him, he's... It's very much, I've noticed it this this season more so than any, but I'm not saying, oh, watch this space. I, I'd like to think this is the norm for him um, moving forward, but I just think it's very much an overinflated price for technically he'd still be a defensive midfielder, but I, I genuinely believe it's it's the Jack Grealish benchmark that has caused that price to be bandied around to keep potentially United's, Liverpool, City's, Chelsea's away from him.
0: And do you think, Dave, that someone is going to have to pay that money?
2: In England, yeah, hundred percent. I wouldn't. I'd say, you know, Real Madrid or Barcelona or somebody who might lure him as well and might interest him. Maybe might have to pay as much, uh, a bit more of a realistic fee for that type of position. Not necessarily a detriment against him, but definitely in England, I think that's what will. Well, that's what West Ham will certainly look for in order to try and keep the their talent because you're kind of going to have to be bold if you want to try and break into that top four, and you need to keep players like him and and obviously him and sucek have been a fantastic partnership together mm. but then you want to keep them type of players instead of getting rid of them
0: because then you have to go and try and find it all over again and it's it's easier said than done but of course they need to get into the champions league so if they don't yeah. get into champions league they even even su they may struggle to hold yeah. on to absolutely that's the conundrum and that's it like so you, you know
2: like do they have a war chest to try and add to what they have or do they need to maybe sell one of them to get in two or three that might get them over the edge that's the fine balance and act with teams at that level. Obviously the new kind of check uh, owner who's in the, who's in the background is is got a, a, a I can't remember his exact fortune but it's a hell of a lot more than golden sullivan but can he kind of bring that more to the table and obviously the fact that West Ham are bringing in good money now with over 50,000 coming in every week, you know, they're a big player now. They're not just going to be looking for 15 and 20 million pound players, but it's just can they do it without selling their best players? That's going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, and if they have that they'll, then they have the potential to keep these these kind of guys but if they're going let's get top money for them like what Villa did with Grealish
0: Neil Arsenal have a top player in Saka again another player who you're questioning is he overhyped or is it's just because he's English uh, he, he's overhyped that's generally the way it does be with these type of players uh, if they're English and they show some sort of promise uh, Jack Wilshere uh, uh, at 28 was still a great young prospect it just never happened for him did it so uh, Saka is he something that's going to in your opinion develop into a player that's of top top quality what do you see in him
1: yeah with Saka um, look it's obviously the same kind of range of questions or range of feed where you get from the English of of how you know exaggerated he is in the market and um, Something that stuck out for me when Liverpool played Arsenal there recently, uh, Andy Robertson did a number on Saka. Like, I mean, he literally crushed him in the game. He didn't get a run at him, didn't get to turn. Robertson did that kind of old-fashioned, almost, you know, uh, defender. He just stuck him like glue. He gave him a little bit of the rough treatment. Um, there was a couple of times where Saka received the ball on the half-turn, and it was almost like he was waiting for Robertson to to, to crush him. Um, and I thought he did a great job on him, but it was one of them games where I thought, That was a moment for him to kind of show that he's maturing as a player and that he's capable of taking on a guy like robertson who in fairness to him is at at the top of his game at the moment um but maybe that just shows he needs more time um i think in the english ranks he's come up through the ranks a little bit quicker due to the euros the issues with sancho and greenwood and stuff that sellgate didn't really fancy them and then when he got his chance he took it with the england national team but I don't think he's been as impressive with Arsenal. In a couple of games, he looked really good with his link-up play with Smith-Rowe, but consistently maybe against the bigger teams, he probably doesn't stand out as much. So I definitely think there's a development there of another year or two before you start talking to him the way we were in Grealish terms last season, where I really, you know, remember we were speculating where Grealish would go and who would want them, and I think we were in agreement that everybody would want Grealish and that type of player, and that's proven... Uh, with Pep taking him with Saka I think there's definitely there's another you know there's another bit of room there before I would personally start thinking of him as a top tier player or someone that say for example a Liverpool a City would be kind of looking at at this stage and um, I think the only reason why they're discussing him is because he's let he's, he's gone into this final 12 month scenario and obviously when you're an Arsenal supporter you must be worried when things like this happen because that's how they've lost their best talent over the last kind of two decades so um for arsenal I, I definitely think for him the best place to stay is at arsenal right now he's a manager that believes in him he's coming up through the ranks they have a couple of good young players playing around him. um but i don't consider him that type of hot property yet. you know maybe the 40 50 million kind of mark but you know, he wouldn't be someone that I'd be looking at for especially for a Liverpool perspective, because I don't think he's anywhere near the finished article
0: yet. No, Dave. He certainly isn't near the finished article, but there is there is talent, there is promise. If you look at the Liverpool players, there's a lot of mature players in, in that team that have developed on. I think I remember Ronaldo getting slated by Eamon Dumphy when he was younger, uh, but he developed again into something that was outstanding. Uh, you've got Jadon Sancho now at Manchester United, who's not even performing so, uh, again, because he, he's coming from a German league, which is, uh, isn't is as good a level as the Premier League, uh, no matter what anyone says, albeit the, the top couple of teams. So, is he someone that you can see, with the level of play that he's had so far, that can develop and, and go on and continuously... If you look at Jack Grealish, Jack Grealish, in my opinion, even at Villa, I... I people I thought were overrating him an awful lot. I think he was good for Villa, but I just never thought that he was, you know, outstanding again for England. I haven't seen it. And now at Manchester City, I'm not really seeing it. Uh, people would slate me for probably for saying that, but I, I don't see, he hasn't taken the next step, is what I'm saying. Can yeah. Saka do that?
2: Um, he's got a chance. Like, uh, you have to give him a little bit of credit that he is only 20 and he's had a very meteoric rise, I suppose. Um like he only got one goal and like in the last three seasons, he got one in 26, then he got five and 32 last year. And now he's got six and 21. So he's on a bit of an upward curve and he's starting to get a bit more of an output at Arsenal. And obviously confidence is being built up as well, seeing as the fact that he's been in the England setup. Um, So it'd be a bit harsh. And I don't think Arteta would be looking to him to be one of the, the the senior kind of guys at this stage. I still like to think he'd be at the development stage and try and get him there. Like he's still at that magic age of around 20. If he's, one or two of these lads who are always a bit sneaky that you think they're young and then you find out they're 24 and 25. Like I i found out the hard way about Lingard when one of the lads goes, you know, he's 26. And then I was like, all right, well, then I'm finished with him. You know, at least <laughs> being at 20 years of age and really only starting to get a settled run in the side at Arsenal. I think it's a bit early to be kind of saying whether he's overhyped or not. He certainly has the potential, but then he also has the potential to fall into the, the category that I like to call the, The one in fives or the one in sixes, which are full of them in England and especially English players where they show up maybe once every five or six games. And they think that's enough and and live off stuff they've done for many a year, which some fella has now shown up in in blue in Merseyside, who we're going to talk about shortly. He's guilty of that, like many players. And I think Liverpool even have one myself at the moment in Curtis Jones. I think he's a one in five or one in six and living off a goal from three years ago in the FA Cup. You know, you need to show up and show some consistency. And that's the big, big, big thing with these guys they have it but it's like any chance you do it three or four out of five instead of one out of five or six and that's the that's the mark of whether he's going to be good enough because i think he's got it it's just will you do it 80 90 percent of the time because you can't always be brilliant like certain games just pass you by but that's the big one for me with saka like many players that come up through the ranks in england i think they buy the hype too quick and then show up once every month or two and just Give feed us scraps and think they're going to
0: come good at some point, you know. Yeah, I think you're being uh very favorable towards Delhi Ali there which is one in five. <laughs> you, you may be talking about seasons there, so <laughs> maybe well, that very goal big. was six years ago. I nearly fell off my
2: chair. I think, um, I can't remember who said it last week, but that goal because everyone knows it the one against Palace where you flicked it over there, that was yeah, six yeah. years ago, lads. But well, there know, you know, go, we'll be talking about it.
0: Go the one thing,
1: then. Roy, I'd say about Saka that he has gone for him is that he he seems to have a good head in his shoulders. Like he had a big setback missing the penalty in the Euros last year, and then you know he's he's kind of come through that cycle now. He's a manager who definitely believes in him, has put him in a, ahead of some of the more experienced players. So I think he's a hell of a lot going for him. He seems to be at the right club with the right belief. And um, you know, there's no you, you never hear about his afterlife or you know. The clothing line he's involved with Or any of that nonsense So from that point of view I think He seems to be a kid That's into his football So that's why I give him A little bit more hope Than maybe some of the The kind of Prima Donnas out there At the moment So I'd like to see him
0: Kick on and get better As he goes Yep Dave Roy Cain's back in the headlines again. That's a young picture. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, oh, and for those who are listening on the podcast, it's Roy Keane from his first stint <laughs> as S- Sunderland manager. He's looks like he's the favourite for the manager's job again. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting one because uh, only this week uh, Gabby Lahore came out <laughs> and absolutely slated him. Uh, Dave do you want to talk about that and then Keane, is it the right thing to do to go back to a former club
2: yeah because it did make me think and that picture says a lot like he would have been 36 37 like because it's been nearly 10 or 12 years since he's kind of been a, a main man so it was a bit of a surprise but it's kind of like off the back of not just like Bonnard, but other stories, as we know, certain things that happened within Ireland over the last few years and then a few other bits and pieces that you hear along the the way. And you're just kind of going, what has he learned? And will the leopard change his spots? But like Bonnard came out and, you know, take some of it with a pinch of salt. But the fact that you're on a, a main mainstream kind of radio channel kind of I'd say the the majority of the story would be quite true but the bit at the end I wouldn't buy where he, he seems to think he played a part in Roy Keane leaving because basically they were doing a bit of a drill a shooting drill that uh, Roy was organizing and it was a bit of an elaborate four or five pass and move and out wide and then into the box so he kind of said we were probably getting to do it maybe every 10 minutes once every 10 minutes and you know as a striker he wants to be kind of having a few pop shops every every kind of bit more on a consistent level. So it was a bit slow and laborious. And for strikers, he was it was boring. And then the manager came along, Paul Lambert, and he said something along the lines of, you know, I'm, I'm not getting a shot out until it's every 10 or 11 minutes. But, of course, Roy wasn't far away. And he's like, oh, you're getting cold. Like, kind of, that's what he said. Now, let's be honest. This is Gabby Agonahar, as I said, with a pinch of salt. Like, oh, you're getting cold and kind of a bit mocking. And he goes, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the gaffer. And then, obviously, one or two little things were said. But literally, the next day, uh, Roy was gone from Aston Villa, so lahar like bon seems to think he played a part But then there's other stories where he's outside Cleverly's house, because he thinks Cleverly's Leaking stories about tactics and training And he's roaring through the intercom And Cleverly's afraid to let him in And many a story about slicing and dicing Young fellas at Ipswich that I've heard as well That just And they were never seen again And then obviously we all know his style as a pundit And it's just kind of can he survive more than a few months without players going, I can't keep up with this? Like because he seemed to like Bonlahoard suggest that he couldn't accept that they weren't as good as gigs and skulls and beckham and then players and just his way of coaching wasn't the right method for players nowadays. Now that sounds like a bit of an easy excuse as well, but there's also a bit of an element of truth because we all love it on TV because we like we like to see them have a poke at these overpaid prima donnas, but when you're a manager, you kind of have to make sure you bring them with you, and that kind of style could make a lot of them go the opposite, and that's why I'm just going to be intrigued that, yes, for Sunderland, it could be a good idea, but will he round the edges off a little bit and really try and make a success, because this is probably his last chance to because it's been so long to be the main man, so for us it's going to be interesting if he, does, if he does get the gig, but can he be a little bit different, and I'm not saying he should be softer or anything like that, but can he kind of Take that sharp comments away, or put the filter on a little bit per se. I'm not so sure.
0: Neil, he has tried to change his, his the way people view him on social media through his daughter helping him out. He's had that thing on Sky Sports with Micka Richards, where he's he's trying to show the lighter side of him, and to an extent, I suppose it has worked. Everyone's kind of warm to him again. Could we see a different side of Roy Keane going back into management? Because uh, once football comes out, it, it, he's not smiling with Micka Richards on, on, on the panel. You know, the, the, de- the devil horns are back out.
1: Um, I, I think I'll put it like this, right I don't think there's any way he could be the same manager as he was when he last was at Sunderland. It's just too long ago. Like, you have to grow. Like, he's he sees enough behind the scenes... He would have some sort of contact with some managers out there. He would see the way, you know, say the likes of Frank Lampard, Stephen Gerrard, these guys, he would have seen the kind of school of hard knocks they've gone through. He'd be looking at the top quality managers, your peps, your clubs. You know, he can't have the same attitude as he did back then in Sunderland. I think he was very raw at the time. He had a kind of a one-dimensional view of what he thought a footballer should be. You know times were changing insofar as the younger kids in particular had a lot more money and a lot more profile and i think by now he would have accepted a lot of that for what it is and maybe i would hope that he would accept that he had his own limitations in the way that he viewed these people and the way that he dealt with them so if he's even considering getting back in there and maybe it's shown through sky the way they've changed his personality and they've changed the kind of the general public's view of him that he accepts that he's a different person now that he used to be. Um, And if he wants to be a success, he's going to have to be a different person. Now, as you say, does at the end of the day, can a leopard change its spots completely? No. I think he'll still have his views. I think he'll still have his firm kind of beliefs that he'll bring with him. But I would think that he will be a different manager than what he was. Now, whether that's enough to go into a battle that Sunderland are in in the lower divisions and get them somewhere, that's Mm -hmm. another story. But uh, I would definitely expect to see initially in particular a different person and a person that like this is kind of the last chance saloon. I think he's peddled himself out enough now as if to say, you know, I remember when Ranić was being promoted, someone said to him, well, Roy, you could go in there. And he kind of went, well, why couldn't I? So this is his moment to get back on the ladder. And it's, you know, this is literally the last chance saloon. So is someone mad enough to take a chance on him? It looks like they might be. Um, And it's an interesting story because you'll get a lot of publicity when you get Roy Keane.
0: And Neil, do you think that he should bring someone in maybe with experience with him? Or do you feel that he should have someone who is, I suppose, slightly younger than him that may be with how, I suppose, footballers now behave?
1: I think he 100% has to bring someone in with him and someone with a bit of know-how and someone that hasn't been out of the game even as long as he has. Now, whether that's from a coaching perspective or just as a number two, you know, arm around the shoulder of players, different contrasts and personalities. Again, I'll refer to Stephen Gerrard. He's Gary McAllister with him. That seems like a really, really shrewd appointment. Um, Someone that's been around the game a long time and around the Premier League. You know, you see Craig Shakespeare always appear on someone's shoulder. It shows maybe he's not a number one, but he must be a fairly decent number two if a lot of guys want them. There's some people that just aren't cut out for the number one role, but for Keane, he needs to choose wisely. He needs to choose someone that can break down maybe the generational barrier with the younger, younger kids, but someone that's really good on the training ground. So definitely, he needs to choose wisely in how he deals with that.
0: Okay. Dave Everton, Signed Donny Van de Beek and <laughs> Deli Ali, uh, he also got Frank Lampard in, uh, who brought these players in. Yeah, Deli Ali's only in the door, uh, oh. not even a wet week, barely even a week, and he's getting slated for exactly what's being shown on screen here. And for people who are listening to the podcast, uh, have a little look at the the, the pictures online. Uh, is it unfair? Uh, to an extent, yeah.
2: But he, But at the same time, like, <laughs> would you not be a bit clever? Because this isn't even the first instance. The first instance was his first day of training, and he came in in a Rolls Royce. And of course, a lot of the scouses were like, What's the story here? We're like, What's he doing coming in in Rolls Royces? And they were already at him. And then when I seen that, and it's like, Jesus Christ, they're already at him. And they're typical Everton, they're already starting to panic a bit. But, like, it doesn't help. Like, whatever about the car, I think that's a bit much and it's scraping. And to be honest, it could be a bit of clickbait, just shit stirring as well to try and get a, get us all to come in. As I said, I seen the headlines, I didn't go into it because I just, like, whatever, it's a car. But this instance, and you see Donnie looking a little bit sharper. And then when they read about the other one and then they see this, you're kind of going, May, come on. And if I'm not mistaken, I think there was a bit of red. Was there a bit of red in his hair as well at one point or something? I think somebody poked on that as well and I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, but anyway. Get Let him on the pitch first, you know, but like, this is it for him as well. We're talking about Roy Keane. This is it for him as well now. You've got a move, got a fresh approach. You've got a manager who's going to back you and a manager who he probably respects as a player not long in the game. It it could be a nice little uh, partnership there, but instead of being the one in five, or in this instance, he's probably a one in ten, because he is part of that brigade. He needs to start doing a three out of every four now and being a main man, because it's just not enough anymore. He's 25... It's time to get the finger out now, and the, the only way is down. If you don't perform here, the only way is down. You're not going to go back up and, and get back into the top four teams. Like it, There's only one way for you if he doesn't show up. So I think it's a bit harsh. I think it's just – it might even be Everton fans at this stage. It's just anyone's just having an excuse to have a pop of the player. I think Rashford and Lingard got, like got a bit of stick as well for a, a pose out and. Dubai the other day as well it's like right we're scraping here we, we all know what they are what, what they air, but listen give him a couple of games in the pitch and then go for it if he's still being as inconsistent as he can be but uh, yeah but it's just funny it's just funny like that they're already
0: turning the screw you know and Neil Frank Lampard has made a great start with them I mean the FA Cup 4-1 against Brentford none of those boys played. So already there's a little uplift from players, uh, which puts a big question mark over some of those players, uh, if they can perform just like that at a, at a click of a finger. So does that see promise in what Frank Lampard might bring, even though people may doubt him as a top-class manager, just his pure presence might change the the focus of these players?
2: Um,
1: I think he was due an inevitable shift in uh maybe players attitudes fans attitudes the overall feel-good factor of the club because they ousted benitez so i think they could have brought anybody in provided they weren't anything got to do with liverpool or anything red and i think they would have got that feel-good factor and um, look the proof would be in the pudding with lampard in the next six months 12 months 18 months i think we kind of hinted on the show last week that look this is a long-term project you know, I'm I'm looking at some of the the Everton team here. Like it's like the graveyard of players that nobody else wanted. A Wobe, Townsend, you know, Decoré Gray, although Gray's done well this year. Tossen Sigurdsson, Everton have a massive, massive amount of players on the books that they don't really want. They they, they they're on big, big money. Sigurdsson and Saint Tossen are the biggest ones at the moment. They come in for colossal money for the type of profile of the player that they are. And now they've added Deli Ali to that, which could be just another relic in the graveyard this time next year. Um, Van der Beek, I'll give him a, a fresh start because – or sorry, I'll give him a, a pass because it's a fresh start for him. Um, so he's the real sign for me that I kind of want to see how he reacts, whereas the rest of them, you're looking, can Frank Lampard get a reaction out of a group of players that was more or less the same under Ancelotti and more or less the same under Benitez. And I think that's a huge, huge ask. So if I put a kind of a real critical kind of hat on me here and say, right, what is your end goal with Frank Lampard? The end goal is actually to clear out some of the crap that you're left with, get rid of the dead rubble. That might take two transfer windows. That might mean taking a massive loss on some players. And then hopefully bringing in um, maybe in the summer where Lampard can work a little bit of magic with the Chelsea youth system like he did at Derby. Where he picked one or two kind of rough diamonds out and give the guy a chance. Because in twelve games, if things aren't going well and the Lampard out flags start coming, they're just nothing is going to change. You know, they're just going to be exactly as they were. And we'll be looking at odds for the new manager to come in again, which is crap. So Everton needs to stick to their guns now. They, they need to show that they have a vision and they need to give them a chance.
0: Okay. We'll stick with you, Neil. And it's Manchester United getting knocked out of the FA Cup by Middlesbrough. Uh, You asked the question, is this an all-time low or a new low under uh, Raniac? What's your thoughts on it? Because uh, Manchester United dominated the game, couldn't score goals. It's their best 11, more or less. And yet they still can't beat Middlesbrough of the Championship.
1: Yeah, it's a funny thing because uh, I'm in the U.S. at the moment, and I'm trying to get. Uh, I, I stay away from Sky Sports because I can't watch the highlights and I can't watch stuff like that on it when I when I want to see them. So you're getting a different opinion over here. So you have a lot of ESPN um, kind of views, but uh, there's there's two aspects of it. Number one, they're calling it devastating and the new rock bottom. And um, I wouldn't say it's rock bottom because you know relegation would be probably rock bottom, but it was, I think, the impact of going out of the FA Cup was big because this whole Ronaldo came in to win a trophy. Maybe not the Premier League, but he wants to win a trophy. And you think the FA Cup would be, you know, tailor-made for the likes of that. Looking at the game itself, Roy, I thought, you know, they dominated him pretty much. He sent out a very, very heavy side. He even threw Pogba and all back into the fray. I think they did more than enough to win the game. Like, Fernandez's miss was criminal. Uh, Ronaldo missing from the penalty spot the first time in years, you know. There was all these things conspired against them, which I guess happens in the FA Cup. Um, like their league form isn't too bad. I think we had a graphic on the last eight games and their last six games, they're still in kind of third, fourth, which is par for course for United at the moment. I think it's just a significant to going out of the cup when all the other teams, be it that they struggled, Chelsea struggled, West Ham struggled. Um, it's going out of the cup and kind of saying for five years now, or what is it, six years, they haven't won a trophy. I think it's significant to Man United being as big a club as they are and bombing out a cup with that type of team on the pitch. It maybe is multiplied by five or six because of the repercussions of that. So um, performance-wise, you know, it's one of them, if if it was your kids' teams, you'd be saying, listen, we're playing great. We're just not getting the results. But for Man United, it's just not good enough. And it's another kick in the rocks, really, isn't
0: it? Yeah, Dave... It's, that's exactly what it is and it, it just kind of it just kind of confirms that manchester united are not a top three team they're a top seven team who could or could not make a champions league spot
2: listen this happened to us we lost to what was a bolton and then bristol city don't worry about 25 years later we won the league so it's grand just be patient it'll come good but uh no look i get it but to me you understand where that question's coming from about rock bottom but for me it was the liverpool man city and was it norwich uh the, the one that they, they were rock bottom because the sheer level of performance was what was shocking they weren't exactly bad on friday night it was and i'm not trying to be sympathetic or anything like that it potentially was one of them days slash maybe there's still a bit of that lackadaisical hangover one or two players maybe not giving middlesbrough the credit that they probably should have given them but like you know you were half decent it just wasn't really in the final third but um yeah for me it was more that period just before um Solskjaer left that was rock bottom because they just gave up and that was the worst of the worst at the moment I couldn't say that about them but yes a bitterly really disappointing result considering it's probably the last real chance of silverware and I do understand that but it wasn't the fact that they just laid down and died like they did for about a month a few months back so yeah I do understand the question being asked but I I wouldn't kind of say it's rock bottom just yet that's for sure
0: okay Atletico Madrid mm. Barcelona Barcelona won 4-2 today against Atletico Madrid it, there's a couple of questions in this Dave because our yeah. Barcelona starting to turn things around they've got a couple of players in who are interesting they could go either way but the other side is are Atletico They're going the other way
2: well, very simply, is Barcelona were ninth when Zabi took over in November, six points behind Atletico, but now they've overtaken them to move into the Champions League spot. So it's definitely a one out, one in potentially at this stage. Like it was, it's one game, but it was still very significant considering there hasn't been a lot to, of any positivity in relation to Barcelona. But today they were very much the, the better side, sixty percent of the ball, um, and the starting eleven was remotely strong like I, I i i didn't see a lot of games sometimes but i always looked at the 11 and there was four or five players who like, no idea who they were and they were obviously guys coming up from la masia or whatever but th- today it was like terstegen was in gold and you've Jordi alba and danny alves at right and left back pk and Araujo was quite decent i liked them uh, beside them jerry pk then you had them um, pedri who was very clever and uh the hype and 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 the the plaudits that he gets are justly deserved. And then you have Busquets and Frankie De Jong there. And then up front they had Gavi, Ferran Torres, and Armand Traore. Or sorry, Armand Traore, Adama Traore. Now Adama Traore was very interesting because it was a lot of one on one stuff. Instead of him really having a lot of pitch to burn past players, it was a lot of one on one stuff. And there was one or two little moments of showboat. And so I don't know whether he's just trying to impress the new camp or has he got more in the locker than we see because usually we see him with the with the afterburners on. So it'll be interesting to see just how much skills he has or was it just more tried to appease the fans today and show off even though he had one or two decent end products but then obviously the likes of um excuse me uh, Abamian came on um, and we all know what he did do for Arsenal obviously he gave up on the last year or so but if they can get that back and they have a, a centre forward instead of Ferran Torres hasn't taken off so if they can get him in and then Dembele's back fist I know it didn't materialize in January maybe he is one of these false dawn kind of players but if anyone can do it, maybe Xavi can get something out of him, but it's just, then there's a few others. Luke De Jong is a decent finisher up front, um, and, and and there's one or two others there in the background. Serginio Dest will play a little bit. He's a very quick uh, right-back. He'll kind of come in from time to time because Dani Alves has been 38 now at this stage. Now, he scored and then got sent off, uh, but it was a very lively game, and they had a bit more about them, and there's a bit more pride back in the and a bit more pep in their steps, so... But on the other hand, Atletico were very flat. And even even Simeone, there was a, a little niggle in the first half where they were trying to get the ball off um, one of the Barca players and usually to be around like rabid animals and he'd be in the middle of it. But if anything, he was kind of half in it, half, half kind of trying to stop a half in it. Well, before he'd have been in the face and going at the ref and trying to cause it. So it's a bit of an interesting one and definitely a momentum shift. And it'll be interesting to see, well, is it, Atletico's start is going to fade uh, a lot quicker than what Barcelona's was because all of a sudden, you know, things could be a bit interesting. And with Xavi there, he's obviously going to give it everything to try and put them back to where they need to be. But it's still a bit more time to go uh, to challenge Real Madrid. But um, I'd fancy them for a, a Champions League spot, which is huge considering the, the financial difficulties they're in. So um, it was an interesting game. If anyone watched it, and Jordi Alba's goal is an absolute worldie. So uh, go YouTube, cracker.
0: And I believe Gerard Piquet is, it's reported that he is going to retire at the mm. end of this season. Um, I, I also see him where Piquet was uh, in the press talking about ha- Holland and warned them not to go to the same club as Mbappe as he would uh, fall away. So in other words, <laughs> come to Barcelona. <laughs> There's nowhere else to go. So it would be very interesting if that did and, and that Ooh. did materialise. Neil, Roy Hodgson has another club and uh, a man at 74 years of age just does not want to give it up. Wofford, again, uh, have another manager. And I think Gary Lineker joked that uh, he didn't expect them to give Roy Hodgson such a long contract to the summer. So uh, what is Roy Hodgson going to do for Wofford that all those other managers could not do?
1: uh do you know what he, it's hard to say at this stage of the season to stabilize the ship but um i remember Hodgson first come into crystal palace and i remember danny mills get, did a very um a very interesting yoke on him on a match a day or one of them where he was saying look he's a great set of hands safe pair of hands he is a, a specific way of playing sorry danny murphy not danny mills a great way of playing a great system of playing he's very very methodical in what he does the only thing i would say is does he have enough time to put that kind of imprint on a team like wafford i don't know is he going to be a massive change compared to what ranieri just did i don't know so there's a lot of underlying little things there um that's kind of going against some time is going against them and and the lack of games are going against him. maybe if he got in on the ranieri term but like what hodgson did at crystal palace was he made him very difficult to beat he set out a system for him to play in and they definitely bought into it now he he went through a journey and he finished up with them but maybe he thought he had a little bit more time which is why he jumped into this new job but uh it's a big big ask i don't think he's on a hiding to nothing because i think it's a kind of a shot in the dark here they had to try something or they felt they had to try something and um, but i think hodgson will bring in a kind of a certain stabilization and knowledge of the league and if he can get off to a decent start and kind of get that squad going he might do something I don't really have a whole lot of faith that he can, just purely because Ranieri was no fool either. You know what I mean? He would have known exactly what the limitations of the squad. So I think the task is massive. It's just a question of how quickly he can put a project in in place there. Or maybe it's more of a question of what has he left to deal with from Ranieri? What kind of dressing room is it? What's the morale like? Um, But it's definitely a, a tall, tall order for him to step into.
0: Yeah, Dave, have Wofford got the squad to stay up? Has Roy yeah. Hodgson then got the tools? Obviously, he's done it over the years, but has he got the tools to make this squad a team that can get enough points to finish off this season and stay out of the top or the bottom three?
2: Yeah, like if he was at any other club, I'd probably be like, yeah, this is probably a really good sign. But it's just because of Wofford is a bit of a poison, challenge, a poison chalice. But like, if you look at the league table, they're only a point behind Norwich. They've got four goals. They've scored a few goals this year with Dennis up front. They have scored twenty-three compared to Norwich at thirteen. Obviously, Newcastle are right behind them, who probably people would claim to be the favourites to be the seventeenth man, providing Everton go up the go up the league table. Um, so I think it's more Newcastle are going to be the favourites, regardless with a slightly stronger squad now that's been improved over 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 the, um, the month of January. You know, you'd have to look back to what he did at Fulham as well. He was, he done a, good, a solid job there as well as what he did at Palace. I think at Palace, he made the best of what he had and he used the wide players very well and were very effective. Um, does he have all that? at Watford, it remains to be seen, but, you know, he will probably get the confidence back up with him. He seems to be a guy who kind of is very good at getting the best, of, uh, best out of what he has. Seems to be a bit more of a coach, more so than a manager. Um, and this kind of level seems to suit him. He, he'll he'll try and pull everything out of the locker. But it's just with, with Watford, you know, it's just you're always nervous for a manager, regardless of who they are and what they bring in. But I just think regardless of what he does, I think Newcastle will just maybe have enough. But then again, who who are we to say? Because all of a sudden Norwich are looking like a form side out of anybody. So uh, this could be a belter of a of, of a relegation battle this year.
0: Yep. Okay. We're going to leave it there. If you're listening to the podcast, don't forget to go over to the Big Kickoff Football Show on YouTube and subscribe. And vice versa, if you're looking here on YouTube uh, and you're on the move, don't forget to have a listen to the podcast if you're ever missing the YouTube show. David, thanks very much. Neil, thanks very much. And thanks very much for you for watching and listening to us. See you next week.